Our passage this morning is from James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to, to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is the word of the Lord. You can have a seat. As you go to your seat, let us pray. Father, we are grateful to be in your presence this morning. You indeed are glorious. And we want to proclaim that with all that we are, with all uh, our being. Spirit, we know that this is who, who you are and what you're proclaiming. And so we want to be aligned with you in that proclamation. Help us to be doers of your word. Help us to stare intently at your word this morning. Help us to be nourished by it, to be sustained by it, to enjoy it and enjoy Christ as we see him in it. And we need your help. Father, uh, we pray for other expressions of your church that are meeting right now in Fort Worth. As Chris mentioned earlier, we, we lift up Pillar Church in East Fort Worth. We lift up Fort Worth Bible Church and Grace Church and River Point. We're grateful for brothers and sisters who are gathering even now to proclaim the goodness of the Lord and your gospel. Help us to, to treasure Christ as we consider your word this morning. Consider the, the word that we will study and discover, and, and may we be, Spirit, open to conviction, may we be open to comfort, if that's needed, to, to rebuke, if necessary. And we love you, we are so grateful, we, we are expectant that you will do all these things and so much more, and it's in Christ we pray, amen. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Jeff Jameson, one of the pastors here. I'm grateful for you guys being here this morning as we worship the Lord. We're going uh, to look at this passage in James, but also at a particular verse in Proverbs. But if you will, allow me to be a bit vulnerable here off the top and share a story from our home just a few weeks ago. Uh, and maybe you've walked through similar, uh, similar things before, similar circumstance, but uh, it was early in the morning. I was uh, getting up. I'm usually the first one up in our home in the morning, and I was going to our front bedroom, which doubles as uh, our office. And as I went into the room, what did I find? But that the dog had left uh, some presents on the floor. I'll just say that. Uh, and, and when I saw that, I uh, immediately blew up. I immediately, I felt it in, in, inside, I just 
uh, the, my, my blood pressure went up, my heart rate went up. My, I'm sure if I looked in the mirror at that time, my face would have been red. I just was furious that the dog would, would enter into my sovereign domain, my, my room, and, and do such things. And, and it wasn't enough that I was just silently angry at the dog. I took the opportunity to proclaim to anyone who could hear in our home that I was displeased about the dog doing its business in my office. And I declared that the dog will never do that again. Fast forward to the next day. The solution to the day before was uh, for me to shut the door to the office. I've made the most sense. This is how the dog will never violate my law again. Uh, but what I, f- what I found when I woke up that morning was that the door had been pushed open. And when I walked into the office, once again, the dog had left another present for me. Apparently, I hadn't shut the door uh, enough. I hadn't pulled to enough so that the dog nudged it open overnight. Now... I was furious, even more upset than I was the day before because now the dog has done it twice. It has violated a said law. Did you remember how angry I was yesterday and how dare you come into this room and do such things again? If we had more time, I would tell you that a few days later, uh, my reaction to the dog barking at our door at 1230 in the morning because it knew how to use the doggy door to get outside but forgot how to go back in. You can imagine how pleased I was at those things. Now, we can all laugh about that. Maybe some of you are smiling or nodding because, again, you uh, have been through something similar, maybe even something similar this week. It is ridiculous. It is silly when we think about it. The reason that we laugh is because why would a grown man get so upset? Why would a grown man expound so much energy in something so ridiculous. Maybe you've reacted like this to a driver that that cuts you off. Maybe you react like this uh, whenever there's a kink in the water hose and you can't seem to get it out and it's frustrating, all you want to do is water. Things that are frustrating happen all the time. But here is, here's the deal. Anger rarely leaves anyone unscathed. Anger rarely leaves anyone unaffected. So we can laugh, and certainly it is ridiculous for me to uh, think about how I was behaving in those two instances with the dog, how my anger was over the top. But the reality is, my wife in that moment was left exasperated. Molly was beside herself. She was, she was sad. She was confused. She was uh, hurt. My, my boys in that moment uh, left wondering if I mess up like this, if I cross that, is he going to blow up? Anger in our homes, in our church, in our world, anger is devastating. It's devastating, it's punishing. And this is the madness of anger. And so we have an anger problem. I'll be the first to confess that to you this morning. But I believe, uh, much like uh, if we were trying to describe to a fish what water is, because they don't know, they just find themselves in the water, they don't know what water is, I think that we fail to understand the breadth and the depth of the anger that we've been baptized into in our culture. 
in this current age of rage. And we see it in many ways. We see it in hot anger, in tirades. We see it uh, sneering anger in our Twitter posts. We, we see it in cold anger as we ghost our friends. It's, it's everywhere. And, and it's obvious sometimes. It's obvious when someone blows up. That's anger. We all know it. We've all either been there or have experienced that on the other side. We all know that type of anger. But sometimes anger is harder to discern in the human heart. We have an anger problem. But we always have since Genesis 3. Uh, when we read about the, the first sin outside of the garden in Genesis 4, when we read that that sin was severe anger that led to the murder of a brother, we should be on alert. That should be telling. This kind of anger is not just a, a random malfunction of the state that we find ourselves in here at, at part of the fall. It's not just a quirk that kind of works itself out in us. Anger, sinful anger especially, is dangerous and it's deadly. We've been working through parts of the book of Proverbs this summer and uh, we've been doing so thematically and this has been obvious for those of you who've been with us for the past several weeks that we're not preaching through this book systematically verse by verse uh, but we are picking different themes. That's why uh, as I was looking at the book of Proverbs several months ago, I wanted to see what does this book address most often. And that's why we looked at uh, manhood and, and womanhood. We talked last week about friendship. And this week we will look at what the book of Proverbs says about anger. And it says a lot. How can we be wise with our anger? It is a book of wisdom. Proverbs is uh, helping us to see how to live a wise life in the fear of the Lord. How do we live a wise life when it comes to anger? Now, you probably noticed that Sawyer did not read a passage out of Proverbs, but a passage out of the New Testament book of James. And the, James, in many ways, in the New Testament, functions as its own book of Proverbs, as it considers wisdom and, and how we might live best before the face of God. And in the passage that that Sawyer read over us, we did hear, be slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And it's, it's even more damning than that there in verse 26, where it says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Anger and self-control. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So if you have a copy of God's Word, if you want to turn to the book of Proverbs, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 16, and we're just looking at one verse this morning, and that's verse 32. Proverbs 16, verse 32. I feel like this verse in the book of Proverbs uh, mirrors almost exactly what we just heard from the book of James. Proverbs 16, 32 says this. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. What's intriguing about this psalm right off the bat is that it speaks to our inclination as human beings, and it speaks to our desire for power. It, it speaks to our desire for strength and might and to be conquerors of a city. 
And if we consider who we are in Christ, we indeed are actually more than conquerors. As believers, we are caught up in an ever-expanding kingdom. God is strong and mighty, and, and he is exercising influence all over this world, even as we speak. So there's part of us that definitely, because we're made in the image of God, wants to walk in might and strength, wants to conquer cities that are going against God and his kingdom. But here's the paradox for us this morning, and this is the main idea at the same time, written there on your handout. Main idea is being slow to anger is a true sign of strength. Being slow to anger is a true sign of strength. I like how the uh, Christian Standard Bible, which is another translation, we use the ESV here at City Church, but the Christian Standard Bible translates this verse this way. It says, patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. So just two points overall this morning. Again, they're on your handout. These are going to be two truths that are going to anchor the rest of our time this morning, and they are this. How can you be wise with your anger? Patience over power, composure over conquering. Patience over power, composure over conquering. Well, you see, our, our flesh and the, and the devil crave power and crave to conquer others. And, and when we find that we are quick to be angry, we find that we reach for both of those. Inevitably, when we're angry, we want power. When we're angry, we want to conquer what we perceive as what's in error, what's in sin, or what is an injustice. So this morning, I, I just really want to do two simple things. Look at the features of anger. I think we're all familiar with it. There's not one of us that have come in this morning not being aware of what anger is to some extent or another. But what is anger? What are its features? And then I want to look at what is the solution to being quick to anger? What is our solution to anger? Probably be helpful at this point even if we just gave a simple definition of what anger is. Anger is an emotional response to a real or, per, or perceived injustice. It's an emotional response. Something happens. Whether you see it on the outside or not, something's going on inside. We are responding to a perceived or real injustice. And anger always has a target. That's why when you say, I'm angry, you always say, I'm angry at blank, or I'm angry with so-and-so, or this situation. Anger has a target. Now, God rightfully is angry at sin and evil and wickedness, and so anger is the actual right response. Anger is the right response to injustice because of his love for his people, Maybe we don't like thinking about that, that we serve an angry God, but rightfully so, because if you love something, you will also be angry whenever that thing or that person is threatened, and God is angry, but his anger so often is different from what we find ourselves walking in. We've also said before that to not be angry at the things that God is angry at is to walk in error. It's not right to not be angry at the things that God hates. 
More, more often than not, though, we, we get angry at injustices. We get angry at threats, but we don't get angry at the injustices against God's kingdom. That's our problem. We get angry at the things that threaten us or violate our sovereignty. And not only that, but even if our anger starts off as righteous anger, even if we're getting upset at, at things that are truly wicked, that are truly wrong, that we know go against God and his commands, even when we are angry like that, we very rarely stay in that lane of righteous anger. We almost always veer off into sinful anger. And that's why James chapter 1, verse 20 that we heard just a minute ago, that's why James can say that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now I say that, and maybe you're, you're thinking about the verse in Ephesians 4. We actually prayed through parts of Ephesians 4 several weeks ago, and we came upon the verse that says, Be angry, yes, and do not sin. Friends, I, I propose that we're really good at that first command. Be angry, but do not sin. I think we're not so good at that part. I think it's important to, to look at anger because anger is something that tends to happen very quickly. That's why James in Proverbs 16 verse 32 speaks to being slow to anger because our, in our natural selves, in our flesh, we are quick to anger. So it's important that we begin to recognize anger. Now we certainly can recognize it in someone that we love, someone that we are friends with, maybe our, our own members of our family. We want to recognize anger when we see it, but even more than that, how do we recognize anger in our own heart? And this is hard because anger is so blind to itself. Anger only sees the injustice. It doesn't see anything else. In anger, a man looks in a mirror and goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. In anger, a man may hear the word but does not become a doer of the word. And, and if we have too simplistic of a picture of anger, we, we should remember that anger takes on so many forms. I mentioned a few a minute ago. Of course, we have what, what I would call hot anger, the explosive anger, the blowing one's lid, the elevating of a voice, the, the maybe even using physical means to throw something or to really be physical and angry. But what else can anger look like? Well, if, if our tendency is to be quick to anger, what about being quick to jealousy? What about quick to cold indifference? What about quick to seek revenge? Quick to grumble and complain? What about this one? Are you quick to cynicism? Are you quick to biting sarcasm? And some of us hear that and go, oh, are you sure that's anger? Are we, are we, just, that's just kind of how we operate in the world is okay. Anger is blind to itself. And so often it's blind to how it expresses itself in our life. Are you jealous? Are you incredibly 
Are you a cynic? Another feature of anger is that it is always absolutely certain. Anger is always certain. It's unwavering and it's self-justifying. This is what we see, uh, for example, so often in the Gospels uh, with the Pharisees. Uh, We read the accounts in the Gospels and see the Pharisees and see how they interact with Jesus and his disciples. We see the indignant self-righteousness. And we see how closely it relates to anger. Because it's in their self-righteousness that their anger takes them all the way to murder the target of their wrath, Jesus. Now, you and I look at the Pharisees and the gospel, and we so easily can see this. We know that anytime we read an account with the Pharisees, we're going to be quick to be able to identify their sin, the self-righteousness and their anger, their self-worship. Friends, how often do we read ourselves into the Gospels as the Pharisees? How many times do we read the Gospels and say, oh, I'm, I'm the Pharisee? No one sees themselves without the work of the Spirit as a Pharisee. Instead, we look at the Pharisees and we thank God that we're not like those self-righteous guys. And in doing so, we become what one pastor calls a grace Pharisee. So you see, there's danger on every side. We can be self-righteous about anything. We can be angry at anything. We can be angry at the guys who are self-righteous, and then we can be self-righteous ourselves in saying that we have more grace in our lives than they do. As you can see, there's danger on every side. Anger is absolutely certain that I am right and you are wrong, and we're all susceptible to it. There's not one of us that isn't susceptible to it. Another feature of anger is that it multiplies sin and transgressions. Proverbs 29, 22, there are other, obviously other parts of Proverbs that speak about anger. Proverbs 29, 22 says, a man of wrath stirs up strife and one given to anger causes much transgression. Proverbs 15, 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. In Proverbs 25, 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Anger harms others. It wishes ill for them. It causes others to sin. It stirs up further chaos. Anger and its lack of self-control invites more and more sin to invade our life. It's in our desire to be powerful and conquer the city that our city walls come down as a result of the lack of self-control in our lives. And what happens is that more and more sin comes pouring in. This is why Paul in Ephesians says to not let the sun go down on your anger, to give no opportunity to who? To the devil. Because the devil sees an opportunity in the angry person. Satan loves an angry man or an angry woman because it is in our anger that increasing sin finds itself to be a great, great place to grow. Anger seeks to align itself with other angry people who are angry at the same people or things. Surely we've, we've seen that in our time and age this is, this is how you get an us-versus-them society that we find ourselves in. Tribalism, 
You're known more by who you're against than what you are for. Then you give angry people a platform to leverage their collective rage, especially digital platforms where you don't have to interact with people face to face. Now make it an election year. Whoa. Right? Angry people want you to be as angry as they are about something or you're a fraud or you're soft or a traitor. The truth is, we are susceptible to be quick to anger because it is such a powerful emotion. When we think about emotions, when we think about the, the plights and the trials that we find ourselves in, maybe even our sin tendencies, anger is such an attractive emotion because we find so much power and effectiveness in it. It's an effective emotion. And who doesn't want to be powerful and effective, right? Anger wants justice. It wants justice now. We want to take down the city like mighty men. And this is why anger is so dangerous and destructive. Its murderous language can quickly lead to murderous actions. Even when we are angry with the things that God is angry at, even when we rightfully see an injustice in our world, we can so easily be arrogant as to believe that God wants us to be murderously angry, that we believe that he needs us to convince the world how angry he is at evil and injustice. Friend, there is no way for you to out-anger God. When it comes to sin and injustice, there's no way that we can out-anger God because there's no way that we can out-love him. So we're in trouble. We get mad fast at wrong things. And even in our righteous anger, it doesn't stay righteous for more than a minute. We are quick to anger. We lack self-control and we need help. So what can we do? We need a solution for quick to anger people. Can I ask you a question this morning? Are you, are you open this morning to being convicted by the Holy Spirit in this area of your life? Now, that, that's a question that's assumed every Sunday. That's a question that, that is playing in the background every week as we open God's word together and hear from him and, and meditate on the riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every week, that is the question that's playing out in the background. Will you be open to being convicted by the Holy Spirit in this moment, at this time, when it comes to your anger? Why am I asking that question then out loud today? Why is it not still playing in the background? I believe we say that out loud to emphasize the fact that anger and all of its associates, all the things we've mentioned, jealousy, cynicism, revenge fantasies, all of that is a weed that is not easily uprooted out of our hearts. Because anger is blind to itself. Because anger wants justice and it wants it now. Because anger is quick to see the wrong in someone else or something else and never in itself, we need help. And I think it's to be explicit about the fact that the Spirit this morning 
wants to speak to us about our anger. It's so much easier to identify in our lives something like lust or even anxiety, uh, things that we know are against God's will, things that we know go against God's commands, the things in our lives that we don't like. We don't want to be anxious people. We don't want to be lustful people, but angry. The heart is deceitful above all things. And so I want to ask again, will you consider the possibility that at some level you are angry? That you are quick to anger, that anger seems to be a close companion every day. If you remember several weeks back, the very first week actually of our study in Proverbs, I talked about how to read Proverbs. What is one way we can approach the Proverbs that is gospel-centered, that is Christ-centered? And I, I, I said the phrase, guilt, grace, guide. That we look at each proverb, we look at uh, what God has said to us through this book, and we look at it through this lens of guilt, grace, guide. And what do I mean by that? Well, guilt in that we fall short of the law that the proverb is trying to communicate. And this morning, we're seeing that we fall short of being slow to anger. We fall short of being self-controlled. We're guilty. We've talked most of our time this morning about our guilt in this area. But now we can turn to grace, the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Being slow to anger is a true sign of strength because that is exactly who God is. The reason that we could even approach this proverb and desire to be or act in accordance with it to be slow to anger is because he is slow to anger. In fact, that's how he chooses to reveal himself most prominently in the scriptures. You can go all the way back to the book of Exodus in chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, and the Lord says, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty? Friends, we know that we are the guilty ones. We are the guilty ones. But instead of not clearing us, the ones who angrily killed the Messiah, he poured his anger out on the guiltless son. A book that I've enjoyed over the past few years by Alistair Groves and Winston Smith is a book called Untangling Emotions. And they say it this way, Our God ultimately poured out his wrath on Christ unleashing his fury without restraint one time and one time only so that those whom he is angry, those who with he is angry might be restored. We can be people that are slow to anger. We can be people who have self-control over our tongues. We can be those that bridle our tongues and our actions as we cling to the cross. The cross, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, but the anger of God has produced righteousness in man. But it's not our own righteousness, it's that of Jesus Christ's. 
the risen Christ. When we sin in anger, when we blow up, or when we withhold love for someone out of despite, uh, out of spite, when we are jealous, when we walk in revenge fantasies, that sin has already been poured out. That God's anger has already been poured out on that sin, and we can walk in merciful forgiveness. We can walk in forgiveness knowing that that sin has been paid for and we walk with gratitude to our Savior, Jesus Christ. That is grace for quick to anger people. We have to cling to the cross. And so now we can see that in Christ, this proverb can become a guide for us. What's the guide as we read Proverbs? What's the law that it's trying to communicate? What is the way that it is calling us to live? To be slow to anger, to rule our spirits and thus display true strength. Okay, well, we, we can read that proverb and we get it. That's what it says, be slow to anger, have self-control. The question then is how? What do, what are we to do? How do, we, how do we do such things? How do we do what James 1 and Proverbs 16.32 tell us? Well, it's right in front of us, and maybe it's, it's too obvious to speak of, but, but it really is what we are called to do. We slow down. We slow down. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. In, in my times with the Lord in the mornings when I wake up, especially since uh, those events with the dog a few weeks ago, I have actually uh, been asking over and over, go, over again that uh, God would bring me supernatural help to slow down during the day. That God is able to do such things, that, that you would ask the Spirit to do a work in your life that you are able to really slow down and consider what you're thinking, what you're feeling at any given moment. We're all tempted toward anger every day. No doubt you were tempted toward anger already a million times this morning before you even got here. Temptations are surely going to come, but how can we slow down? How can we take a few beats Maybe take a deep breath before we swerve into the oncoming traffic of anger. Maybe the most helpful way to be slow to anger is to ask ourselves good questions. You ever notice that uh, when someone asks you a question, or maybe even when you do ask a question of yourself, it forces you to slow down and think. Maybe we should ask ourselves some questions. Maybe like God asks Jonah after his anger that God would save Nineveh, God says, do you do well to be angry? Do you have a right to be angry right now? Now, if we're honest, as we've been talking about so far this morning, if we're honest about the reality we find ourselves in in our anger, do you do well to be angry? If we're honest, the answer is no. 99% of the time, the answer is no. Ask the Lord to give you eyes to see. Here's another question. This is a helpful question. Why are you so quick to become angry? We see anger. We feel it. We blow up or we're 
we're ghosting a friend or we're thinking about how we might get revenge on someone, we see it and we want to see it all the more. We want to ask God to help us see the features of anger and the faces of anger in ways that maybe we haven't thought of before. But have you ever asked the question, why, why am I so quick to anger? There could be several reasons why we get mad and why we get mad so fast. I'll give two this morning. No, no doubt there's so many more than just two, but why do we get so angry? I want and I'm afraid. I want. Why are you so quick to anger? Why, why did you blow up so quickly? I want. This is what happens when our desires which in and of themselves are not necessarily bad things depending on what the object of our desire is. Not bad, but when our desires become demands, when our desires become I want, that's when we go astray. I want my office to be clean. I do not want the dog to invade my territory. I want comfort. I want peace. I do not want the disruption in my day to clean up the dog's mess. I want things to go smoothly all the time. I want to win at everything all the time. I want, I demand respect. That's a language of anger. Why are you so quick to get angry? I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid that so-and-so is going to win the election. I'm afraid that I'm going to turn out like my father. I'm afraid that life will be like this forever. I'm afraid. Can you think of the things that make you mad this morning? Can you think of the things that maybe tempt you to get angry very quickly? And can you see underneath those things possibly a fear that might be the, the root emotion, the root issue behind your anger. Asking questions can help us get underneath why we are so quick to anger. And it gives us an opportunity to take these things to the Lord. We don't ask ourselves questions and then keep it to ourselves and, and, and go about our day. We, we do this self-investigation. We do the work to understand our anger so that we can confess it to God. We do this work so that we can offer it to him, that we can lament true injustices that we find in this world. I don't at all want to minimize that. There are really terrible, horrible things going on in our world that grieve the heart of God and make him angry, and we want to lament those things as his people, but we also ask him to heal the places where we get angry very quickly at things that he's not angry at. We confess our pride or we confess our anxiety and fear, and in doing so, we grow more and more into the image of Christ. Before we go, one more question. The question is, do you want to change? Do you want to change? Again, that's a question that should be playing out in the background every Sunday. Do you want to change? Do you want to change? Spirit, help me. I'll ask it out loud. Do you want to change? Now, the churchy answer is yes. The churchy answer is, of course I want to change. But if we're honest, we really need to wrestle with this one. 
Again, anger is so hard. Anger is all around us. We find it in different ways in our own heart. We see it expressed in different ways. We wound people. We harm people. Do you want to change? To change means to change who we worship. Because in our sinful anger, we are actually worshiping ourselves. It's idolatry that strikes again. We talk so often about sin as idolatry. Who are you worshiping in your anger? Yourself. To change means that we change kingdom allegiances. When you are sinfully angry, when you are quick to anger, you are planting a flag in the kingdom of Satan, not in the kingdom of the beloved son. In being quick to anger, we are setting ourselves up against God. We are angry at him. We don't trust that he is really just and cares for us. We don't trust it in our anger, but we can change. We can change by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can change in degrees over time. That means that by God's grace and by the, with the help of the Holy Spirit and by his power, that means that today you can be slower to anger than you were yesterday. And tomorrow you can be slower still as you grow stronger in Christ He gives more grace. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. We we change, we do change by remembering that the vengeance that so often our anger is after is the Lord's. Vengeance is the Lord, and that one day every knee will bow to our King. And so let us pray to him and ask for help in this time. Father, we, we do recognize our seemingly ubiquitous tendency to be quick to anger. Not all of our anger is explosive. Not all of our anger is hot. But we confess that we struggle with jealousy. We struggle with indignation and revenge. Struggle with being incredibly cynical. I mean, we need your help. We know that we can change by the power of the Spirit. And and so we are asking that you would do that work to help us to see the anger that's in our lives and to ask questions of ourselves and maybe even to ask lovingly questions of those that we love. Ultimately, we know that you are angry at all the sin and injustice and wickedness that we find in this world. Father, as your people, we, we, do, we, we do get angry at those injustices. We just veer off into sinful anger so often. So this is why we need you to help us and help us ultimately to trust that you will right all wrongs, that, that one day every knee will bow to King Jesus and we can trust your loving care for us. We desire to be people who are slow to anger and who have control over our very selves. And we know this is a work you're pleased to do and a fruit that you're pleased to bear in our lives. And so we ask in faith and in Christ's name, amen.